Now we're going to go through the first three points tonight of chapter three on the top of your on the top of your sheet. If you was reading along, just kind of getting an outline of what we're about to study. To win others, present the plan of salvation. That's what we're going to look at tonight. Presenting how to present the plan of salvation. And the first point is present positive even though partial plan. The second point is present a personal testimony. And the third point is present simple scriptural outline. And that's what we're going to study. Those three points, those first three points, that's what we're going to study tonight. I know last Wednesday I went long and I tried to shove a lot of information into like a 40-minute study. And it was way too much information. And I know it was like an overload. And I knew, it was, I knew what was going on when I was doing it. And I, I regretted it. <laughs> I repented I repented of doing that, so I'm going to slow down a little bit because this right here, we get into the, these, this part of the study, this is way too important just to push through it. We need to slow down and talk about it and really focus on it. So last, uh, we started this study with, we found out to win others to Christ, you need to be soul-minded. You need to look at people as, not as uh, a Democrat or Republican or, or your friend or your neighbor or your enemy or, or some, a poor or rich. Or, you need to look at somebody, they're a soul in God's eyes and they're going to one or two places. They're either going to be going to heaven or going to hell. And it's all about their decision they've made with Jesus Christ. Have they made a personal decision to, re to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Or have they just rejected Him or have fooled people thinking they have? And, and you know, we've talked about that. I actually preached a little bit about that. Second thing we learned is, first was to present is to be soul-minded. Second thing we learned is how to fight the fear of not soul-winning. In other words, the fear of they're going to ridicule, they'll make fun of me. If I, if I try to reach out to somebody and tell them about Jesus, I'm going to mess it up. I'm going to make a mess of it. I'll make mistakes. And we talked about that last Wednesday. And what we, what we realized from reading the scripture is, is you can't mess it up any worse than it is. They're not going to go any worse. It, hell is as bad as it gets, so you can't mess it up any worse. And when you, reach, when you, when you overcome that fear and you give them a gospel track or you just witness to them or talk to them, about Jesus Christ, you're planting a seed that somebody else later on might water and it might grow and they might get saved. It might be 20 years down the way and they might get saved. You might never hear about it, but one day you will up in heaven. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to get up into heaven and it'd be so glorious, I mean, the, the Jesus Christ up there shouting and singing and then you see maybe somebody you hadn't seen in 30 years, they come running up to you, they got the biggest smile on their face and they tell you, you know that day you told me about Jesus Christ, I got mad at you and I cussed at you but the truth was I went home and I got to thinking about it. Then I called a friend and I got saved and I never seen you again. And here I am and it's all thanks to you. Man, that gives me chill bumps just thinking about it. So tonight we're going to look at how to present that plan of salvation. So we know we're saved. So how do we present that plan of salvation? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just love you so much, Father. I thank you for these people that love you that come out tonight, Lord God. And Father, they want to learn something from you, Father. And I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit will lead us, guide us, teach us tonight, Lord God, into all truth, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord, we might grow and understand how we can present this plan, Lord, your plan of salvation, Lord. And I thank you, Father, for these people again, Lord. I pray you give them travel and mercies back home. And Father, I pray, Lord God, you'll bless this teaching. In Jesus Christ, holy name I pray. Amen. So looking at Luke chapter 13, verse 5. Luke chapter 13, verse 5. Jesus Christ simply says, I tell you, nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. The first point he makes is present positive, even though partial plan. Positive, positive plan, even though partial. What he's talking about is not positive like, he's such a positive thinker. He's talking about positive like, you know for sure. 
Do you know for sure you're saved? Amen, okay. Not a lot of amens out there. <laughs> the point is, are, do you know for sure you got the truth in Jesus Christ? I know for sure. So you got to present it positive. You're positive about it. And the point is, is look at Luke 13, verse 5. Jesus Christ says, Nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. That's straightforward. He doesn't say, well, if, if you don't do what's right, there's a chance, maybe, could be, God might not be very happy with you. And one day, no, Christ doesn't ever talk that way. Every time he talks, he talks straightforward. He says, unless you repent, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's positive. I know that's called authority. And if there's one thing Jesus Christ had that the uh, people that heard Jesus Christ talk, they talked about that. Je they t one of the things they complimented Jesus Christ about was this man speaks with authority. Even though he's had no learning, he didn't go to college, he didn't go to seminary, he just speaks with authority. Brothers and sisters, you can have that same authority. It's in you through the Holy Spirit. And God will use you and give you that authority. So Jesus spoke with conviction. Paul was... Uh, Positive and sure. Look at Acts chapter 16. Look at Acts chapter 16. Paul was positive and sure. Acts chapter 16. So Paul wrote 13 books of the New Testament. He was positive and sure. We sing one of the songs, I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul was always sure. Paul was never doubting. He always was sure when he was asked. Look at Acts chapter 16. Look at verse 30. Acts chapter 16, verse 30. So present the gospel. When you're going to present the plan of salvation, be positive about it. Are you positive? Are you sure? When you've got that in your heart, man, that's 90% of it right there. Because when you're talking to somebody about Jesus Christ, they can tell if you're, if you're jerking them around. People can tell if, it's if your heart's really where it's supposed to be at. If you've got the right heart, you might bungle it up. You might not say the right words. You might give the wrong verses. You might not be able to find a verse in your Bible if they ask you a question. You might, you're not going to have all the answers, number one. But the point is, is that they'll see your heart, and if you've got the right heart, that makes a big-time difference. I'm telling you. Look at the... Okay, so uh, Paul and Silas were in jail. They were singing... They get loose. They're brought forth by the jailer. And the jailer brought them out, verse 30. The jailer brings them out and says, Brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? The greatest question a man could ask, or a woman. What must I do to be saved? Paul says in verse 31, And they said, Paul and Silas, they, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And thy house. That's positive. That's positive. Guys, that's so simple. That's why the world doesn't like it. They want to put their own works in there. They want to put in their own little ideas, their own little attitude, their own little... Well, and Paul tells it straight as it is. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou might be saved. No, no, that's not what your Bible says. He didn't say you might be saved, does he? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's a definite statement. That's a positivity. I had a friend that was, had a Jehovah's Witness talking to him, and we worked together. And at work, I would see this Jehovah's Witness. I knew he was, I, I knew he was a Jehovah's Witness because you know me. I had inter interactions with him at work. And I've told you stories about this Jehovah's Witness multiple times. 
So the Jehovah's Witness, I've seen him, he's out there dealing with this guy. He goes out at lunch and he's talking to him. Well, that guy comes to me, another coworker comes to me and says, well, he's talking to me about this and he's talking to me, inviting me to his church, inviting me all this. He goes, it's all confusing. I said, no, brother, it's real simple. So I opened up Acts 16 and I said, what does he say? What must I do to be saved? And he's like, right. I said, what is the answer? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. It's real simple. I said, what you need to do next time a Jehovah's Witness comes out, ask him. What do I need to do to be saved? Just a simple question, right? I mean, you're not trying to set him up. You're not trying to tw trick him or anything. You just ask him a simple question. What must I do to be saved? So he asked this Jehovah's Witness. He did it. The Jehovah's Witness confronted him. He said, hey, what must I do to be saved? And he said that Jehovah's Witness says, well, I need to talk to you about that. He said, well, the Bible says all I need to do is believe on Jesus Christ. And that's what Keegan showed me which I showed him these verses that you're reading right there. Are you with me? You know what that Jehovah's Witness answer was to him? It's not that easy. There's more to it than that. Not according to Paul. You have some people come up and say, well, you need to be baptized to be saved. Paul says, I, didn't, I was called to, not to baptize, I was called to preach the gospel. He separates them out right there, 1 Corinthians. Brother, sister, you've you got to be positive of what you believe. You can't go around winning somebody to Jesus Christ if you're not sure you're going to heaven, right? I'm sure, I know I got the good stuff. It's Jesus Christ. He's the answer, so let me give it to you. And I might bungle it up, mess it up, but let me get, be positive. Be positive about what you believe. Be positive. Ver, uh, number two, the ne second point, unnecessary to know everything before trying. It's not necessary that you know everything. Brothers and sisters, you don't, I don't know everything. You're not ever going to know everything. I promise you that. You can't know everything about the Bible. And you might say, well, I'm going to wait till I know a whole lot about the Bible, and then I'll start winning somebody to Jesus Christ. Well, you'll never win somebody to Jesus Christ because you're always going to be learning. I've been studying the Bible about 30 years. You know how much I know? Not enough. I'm never going to know enough. You just need to get out. You need to try. Just keep on trying. You can't know everything. You can't know everything. Sometimes when you're witnessing to somebody and they'll ask you a question you don't know, sometimes the Lord will give you a question right on the spot to ask them. Now, I've told y'all stories multiple times about that. I had a Jehovah's Witness. I'll tell you the story real quick. Jehovah's Witness knocked on my door. I was a young Christian. I was talking to her as an older lady, and I said, uh, well, y'all don't believe in hell. <laughs> you know me. I'm just going to start trouble. Well, y'all don't believe in hell. And she said, let me ask you a question. And my, my young son was there on the, it was, he was just a toddler, and I had a Dearborn heater, kind of like this heater up here. And, and uh, she said, if your son misbehaved, would you put his hand in that fire? And I said, no. She said, why would you think God would take his children and put, their, put them in the fire? Man, I didn't have an answer for that. I mean, that, that really shook me up. It shook me up. But at that moment, the Lord gave me a question for her. And the Lord had me ask her, and I, not, not in an audible voice, it just it came out of me. And you'll find out soon enough, brothers and sisters, you'll find out that that's not you, that's the Lord. The question that came to me to ask her was, would you drown one of your kids if they misbehaved? And she said, no. I said, well, what about all those people God drowned in the flood? Her face got so red, she didn't know what the answer to that was. Well, guess what? I didn't either. <laughs> I didn't know the answer. I do now. But at that time, I didn't know the answer. But I shut her up. 
It wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit talking through me. So sometimes on the spur of the moment, the Lord will give you a question. The Lord will help you out. When somebody's attacking you and you've got an honest heart, the Lord will help you out. But not every time. Not every time. I've had multiple, multiple times where Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Church of Christ or, or other Baptists or other Christians ask me a tough question. And I'm like, buh, 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 uh, buh, I don't know, I don't know. Buh, buh. Or they'll turn to Scripture and say, look at this verse right here. See? And I had the Jehovah's Witness do that to me one time. Turn to this, see, see, Jesus isn't God. And I'm re right when I'm reading it, they closed the Bible. Okay, let's go. And they left me there and I'm still looking at the verse in my Bible and they're leaving the house. Here's what the deal is. You've got to go study for yourself. Go find out. Now, we're living in a day and age, you don't even have to try very hard. You can go on Google and say, why did God, flood? Why did God drown all the people in the flood? That seems mean, and you'll have answers. Ones that are, that are right, some that are wrong, but you have the Holy Spirit to direct you in the right one. You can find all the answers you ever wanted right there in the Bible. That's why I... That's what caused me to have a library full of books. I've got a library full of books on Jehovah's Witness, on Mormons, on Buddhists, on Islam. I've got a Quran sitting on my shelf. Why do you have all those things? Because I study it because I hear questions. I can't answer them. And as a pastor, that's my worst fear. When I started pastoring was somebody's going to come in and ask me a question. I won't have an answer. So I brought all these books and I'm studying. And of course, from years of, of witnessing to different types of people, you start realizing what they believe, what they don't believe. And you kind of know, you know where they're coming from before they even ask you the question. So you can't know everything. Don't worry about trying to know everything. You're not going to know everything. But you'll learn as you go along. Amen? Okay. I heard a good, a good, good one. Um, Y'all know who Dr. Hovind is? Dr. Hovind, Some, he was debating this uh, university president, and this president at this, uh, uh, it wasn't a university president, but it was, science, it was a science biology teacher, and the science biology teacher was asking about God. He doesn't believe in God, and you want me to believe in some imaginary God that created everything, and, and, and Hovind got up and gave the best answer. You say, what's that answer? I can't remember it right now. It was the best answer, but it's up on YouTube. You see what I'm going with? What I'm trying to go with is if you have somebody ask you a tough question and you say, well, I'll get back with you. But right now, let's talk about your soul. Because people ask you, oh, what they'll try to do is this. When you ask them and you confront them about Jesus Christ, they get on the defensive, and then that, the best defensive mechanism for most people is to start attacking back. Well, I went to a church, and they're full of nothing but hypocrites, and they did me wrong. Well, how do you answer somebody like that? Yes, you, you can't call them liars, amen? They probably did get wrong, done wrong, right? Well, how do you answer somebody like that? What's your answer to that? There, there's multiple answers to that. One answer is you can say, well, if you went to a grocery store and they did you wrong at the grocery store, would you stop going to all grocery stores? If you went to a gas station to get gas and they did you wrong at the, at the, at the filling station, you stopped going to all gas stations, all? No, you wouldn't. Now, who's the hypocrite? Now, you don't say that, amen, but that's the point you're making to them is they're being hypocritical about their view about how, well, that church did me wrong. Well, yeah, churches can do you wrong, but this church over here can do you really right. And there's, in Texas at least, there's a church on every corner. 
Go find one. But you know you should be in church. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen. All right. Present your personal testimony. The third, second point is present your personal testimony. What to say in order to win others to Christ? What shall I say? How do I start it out? What shall I say? Just tell them how Jesus saved you. If you don't know how to lead somebody to Jesus Christ, the best way to do it is just talk about what Jesus Christ has been doing for you. Just in a natural conversation. Just in a natural conversation. Say, man, I tell you what, I see everything going on with COVID. I see people dying right and left. I see the hurricane down in Louisiana. I see all this, everything that's going on. I, I'm just glad that if I was to get COVID or if I was to die, I know I'd be in heaven. And I, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ doing that for me. What's wrong with that? That's the same talk like, well, I was out at the bar. Man, I had a good time. I drank it up. Woo-hoo, you should have seen the women out there. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. They do the same thing. But we're going we're gonna to do the same thing about Jesus Christ. Man, I was at church. Man, we had a good service. Man, the spirit was moving. Heard some good preaching. I got my Bible out. Man, you never, it was good time. You don't, you're not asking them a question. You're not, you're going to go to hell. You're not banging them on the head with anything. You're just telling them your personal testimony. Guys, sometimes that's the best witnessing tool. Because you can do that, and then what happens eventually, they'll pull you to the side, and they'll say, hey, you're a Christian. I heard you're a Christian, yeah? Well, i got a question I want you to ask. I want you to answer. And they'll ask you. And you might not have the answer. I mean, that's the scary part. You might not have the answer, but you say, well, you know what? I'll find it out. And we'll find it out together. In other words, your question is valid. Every question is valid. They don't ever, you can't ever ask a stupid question. And sometimes you'll be amazed what question they have, and the Lord will give you an answer right there. And man, you'll feel the Holy Spirit move, guys. We know Jesus Christ is in us. We know that. But I'm telling you right now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will move on you, and it's, it's an amazing experience when you see Him move in action, and you, you don't be like, whoa, I see it all the time preaching. It's easy for me to talk about because I see it all the time because I'll, I'll get together a sermon. I'm saying, okay, I want to preach this, and this is how I want to do it. And then I finally get up here on Sunday, and I get it all lined out just like I want to do it, and I start preaching, and then something else will come out. Then something else will come out. And then something else will come out. And I know how the Holy Spirit moves because I have all this recorded. And I've had brothers and sisters stop me in the back of the door and say, you know, when you said that and you were talking about so-and-so and so, man, that struck me to the heart. That's just what I needed to hear. I never even mentioned that. I've got it recorded. <laughs> I said something about something else and you heard it a certain way. What happened there? The Holy Spirit said, I'm going to interpret that just what you need, and gives it to you just like he, he wants you to hear it. I've seen it happen, guys. Hundreds of times. Hundred, I've seen where the Lord said, I want you to preach on the prodigal son. This was years ago. Preach on the prodigal son. And I mean, just in my heart, I'm like, okay. So I'm preaching. And the Lord was, I was outlining it. And the Lord's, I feel like the Lord's giving it to me. And it's for a young man. It was a, it was a sermon for a young man. It was directed towards young men. And I'm like, this is a sermon for young men. And at that time, y'all don't take this as an offense. At that time, I had Brother Raymond and Brother George, and a couple others here. We didn't have a big church. So everybody was over 70 at that time. And it's a young man's, and I'm like, okay, Lord. I, you know, and I got up, I, the, I literally got up here to preach, opened up my Bible, the door opened up, and three young men walked in the back door and came and sat at the back. All right, Lord, I see what you're doing. It's amazing, man. It's wonderful to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Man, and I, I'm encouraging you because I know if you can ever take that one step and start doing something for the Lord, you'll see Him move. This sister being here tonight, it's just the Lord moving in different ways. And it's just, you can't figure Him out. Amen? You can't figure Him out. Look at John chapter 9. Look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9. John chapter 9, verse 24. Use of one's personal testimony of conversion. Just tell them what Jesus Christ has done for you. It's that simple. Amen? Just say, hey, Jesus saved me. You don't even need a Bible to open that. You don't even need a Bible to tell somebody what... Just, that's, isn't that the best thing to lead you to go do something? Is if somebody says, man, I was down there at uh, United or Kroger or wherever you were at or Walmart. Man, they had so, said this stuff on sale. And man, it was buy one, get one free. I couldn't believe it. Well, you're going to take that person's word and run down there and buy what you can of that. That per, or whatever it might be, I went down to this restaurant, it's the best food you ever had. Man, I, I, man, it's the best food I ever had, it was great. Well, when you hear somebody talking like that, you're like, man, I'll have to try that out. So when you hear somebody saying, man, Jesus Christ, I'm saved. Man, it's the best feeling I ever had, the sin is gone, it's wonderful. They can say, well, I don't believe in, I don't believe in God, but they can't, their heart can't deny that something real is happening in your life. They can't, they, they can't deny that. Now, they might, not believe, they might think it's fake. They might think it's some kind of religious feeling or something like that. But it's hard for their heart to say, I want what they have because <laughs> I'm not happy and I'm miserable. And I, I, feel like, I, I feel like there's a cloud over me and they're happy all the time. Well, how do you think these cults get so popular? These cults get popular because these cults are create a family environment and then invite people in and these people are miserable at the end of the rope at the bottom of the barrel and they go into these cults because they're just looking for something. They don't even believe half of what they teach. They just want a family. They just want to be part of something. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to tell them, hey, you can be a part of the family of God forever and ever. Give your personal testimony. Look at John chapter 9, verse 24. So this man was healed by Jesus Christ of blindness. They try to ask his parents, and remember we read this last week? They try to ask his parents, his parents, because they feared they wouldn't tell what happened. Verse 24, Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise. We know that this man is a sinner. They're talking, of course, about Jesus Christ. They're saying, there's no way this man can heal you up because he's a sinner, and sinners can't do any kind of healing. What the problem is, if they realize, maybe this guy's healing people up because he is sinless. See, they're answering their own question. He's a sinner. He can't be healing up. Well, if he's healing, then maybe he's not a sinner. They won't look. They can't, they can't think past that thought. See? So they know Jesus is a sinner in their mind. They think he is. They know he is. Verse 25, he answered and said. This is what the blind man said that was healed. Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know that whereas I was blind, now I see. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. He was, well, I don't, know if he, I don't know if he was a sinner or not. One thing I'll tell you, I was blind, but now I see. Oh, I don't think there's a God. I don't know if Jesus Christ really came up from the grave. Man, I, you know, you got to believe what you got to believe. But I'll tell you one thing, I've received Jesus Christ. I prayed, and man, I got up. My heart was gleeful. My heart was alive. I've never felt more. The sin is gone. I feel like the cloud is gone. Man, I feel great. Now, I don't know if it was real or not, whatever you want to believe, 
It worked for me. I know not. One thing I know, what's that? That whereas I was blind, now I see. What about Noah's Ark? What about Genesis? What about David? I don't believe in Goliath. I don't believe... I don't know. I, mean, I can't tell you half of what the Bible means, but I'll tell you this. I received Jesus Christ, and now I feel like I'm going to heaven. And I'm happy. My personal testimony is this. I always tell people, Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. That's what I tell people. That's a simple, that's a simple one. And I've told it to, I don't know how many countless people. Hey, Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. Just leave it at that. All right. Let's move on to number three. Present simple scriptural outline. This is where we're going to get a little bit more technical. A little bit more technical. William Booth, he's the one that created the Salvation Army. The story goes that the reason why he created the Salvation Army, the Salvation Army was created to win people to Jesus Christ. It wasn't, it wasn't created to be a soup kitchen. I mean, it is, and it's wonderful, and it does a wonderful work, but it was, not, it was created to win people to Jesus Christ. Salvation army an army trying to save people and the reason why william booth created it was because he heard he was at a, a park and there were people street preaching at the park and he was listening to them and there was an infidel there a heathen and he said if i believe what those christians believe about heaven and hell i would i wouldn't rest day and night trying to warn people about hell he's right the heathen was right. If we really believe what we believe, that there is a heaven and we're going, and that there's a hell and people are going there, we should be warning people day and night, amen. Y'all have amen to a lot of this, I believe I'm saved. I believe. Well, if you really believe, then there's people going to hell. Do you believe that? That's serious. The world's running around. You've got to have a vaccine. You've got to have the shot. You've got to have the shot. We as Christians need to be running around and say, there's no option. You've got to have Jesus as a vaccine. No option. But we don't have that kind of uh, courage. And that's what we're trying to work on tonight. Look at Romans chapter 3. All right, so we're going to break this down. We're going to get a little technical. And we're going to try to close the service off with this right here. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. This is... Uh, called the Romans Road. The Romans Road. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. And this is how, if you have time, this is the best way. If you have time. And what this way I'm about to show you is if you got a family member, you got a good friend, somebody is sitting around a coffee table with you that you have coffee with or Maybe, you, maybe at work, maybe you got time to do it at work at lunchtime or something like that, you know. Uh, let me tell you something. If you're paid to work, then work. God expects you to work. I be, I, I, you know, I went to uh, Pensacola Bible Institute down there, and they tell us all the time, hey, you guys, you're out there on the construction field, and you're trying to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. You need to be working. You're being paid to work. Now, if you can work at the same time that you're talking... That's different. But to stop and say, well, I'm doing God's work here. Well, you're not doing God's work because first and foremost, you promised that guy you would work for $6, $7 an hour, so get to work. But if you have lunchtime, break time, or something like that, and you have a chance to sit somebody down and say, hey, and they, they're willing, amen. they got to be willing first, right? Say, well, can I show you out of the Bible how you can be saved? What the Bible says about salvation. Now, obviously, you could obviously turn to Acts chapter 16, verses 30 and 31, right? We read those. 
What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's a simple one. But this right here, will outline, this outline I'm going to give you, it's called the Romans Road. It's real famous, real popular. It's going to show you why you need Jesus Christ and how to receive Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not just believe on Jesus Christ. Well, why do I need to believe? It's going to give you those explanations. So you got a chance to open somebody out. You open the Bible up. You put the authority on the Bible, amen. Say, well, this is why I believe what I believe, and you put it on the Bible. You say, well, what if they argue about, well, I think the Bible is written by men, and I think the Bible is not really by God, and what if they argue with you about that? Just ignore them. Do you believe this Bible's alive? I do. The Bible says it is. So, even though they're a non-believer, and they, even if they say, well, I think that's written by men, man, watch the Holy Spirit work on them. Because what you want to try to do is, if they have their own Bible, and I always recommend a King James Bible. Now, if you can get them a King James Bible, or if they don't have a Bible, but get them to read it out loud. It does two things. It makes them pay attention, and it makes them say it out loud, and then they'll remember it later if they don't receive Jesus. And the Lord can use it, the Holy Spirit can use it. So you want to start with Romans 3.10. And this is an outline. There's six different, we're going to go through six different steps. The Romans road of salvation. So you're taking six, and so what you do is open up your Bible, turn to Romans 3.10 and say, and read it, get them to read it out loud. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. So you would, you, you would ask them, well, do you believe that, there, that you can't, there's, everybody's got some kind of fault. There's nobody who's completely 100% right. And I've never met a person that says, doesn't say, yeah, I agree. Now, you might find somebody who says, no, I think there's somebody who's perfect. You might actually have somebody say, well, Jesus is the only perfect one. You'd be amazed what people would say. But the point is, is they, they can agree with that, right? There's none righteous, none right, no, not one. Even your grandmother, the sweet, sweet grandmother that you love so much, you have to admit there was a time she's done something wrong, right? What you're trying to do is make them realize that we're all sinners. Not just them, right? I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, everybody's sinners. So what you would want to do, now we're talking technically speaking, you would want to write on the, on the outside of the margin of your Bible, if you have time, write 3.23, because we're going to turn to Romans 3.23 next. Romans 3.23. So what you do, is you'd write it next to this verse 10, you'd write Romans 3.23, or just write the number 3 colon 23. And what that does is that tells you, so you don't have to remember all this, it tells you where to go next. So when you, you're, you're, you're leading somebody, it tells them, okay, now you take them to 3.23. You go to Romans 3.23. Let's read that. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So you admit that everybody you know has sinned. And that God is not a sinner. God is holy and we've all come short of the glory of God. So what you're trying to make them realize, what you're trying to make them is a sinner. You've got to have a convict before you can have a convert. They can't repent if they've never been guilty. You've got to realize, make them realize they're guilty so they know they need a Savior. If they don't feel like, they're need, if they don't feel like they need to be saved, then they, don't, they won't think they need a Savior. You've got to make them feel like they're, they're lost, they're doomed, they're a sinner, they're, they need a Savior. And then you're going to present them that Savior in Jesus Christ. So next to that, verse 23, you would write down Romans 5.12. We're going to go to Romans 5.12. So turn to Romans 5.12. So you'd write down 5.12 next to that verse. 
So we got Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 5.12. And now we're going to get into why there's sin in the world. Why are we sinners? Tells us here, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world. So you can stop there, and I've never met anybody who didn't know this, and you can ask them. By one man, well, who would be that one man that sin entered into the world? Well, Adam. Most people, I've never met anybody who didn't know that answer. And if they don't know the answer, you say, well, the Bible says it was Adam. You, you know enough about the Bible to know that, right? Okay. Wherefore, as by one man, that'd be Adam, sin entered into the world, and death... By sin, that's why we all die, is because of sin. So sin is the reason why we die. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Since we're all sinners, and Adam's one that brought the sin in, so Adam passed that sin on, and now here we are living in 2021, and now we're sinners, and guess what's going to happen to us? We're going to die. Now, 100%, that's true, right? You might not believe the Bible, you might not believe... But you know 100% everybody's going to die. Unless Jesus Christ comes back, we're all going to die. That'll hit home. It's good to make them think of death. Amen? It's good to make them think of death. Because that's what we're trying to get them to. We're trying to get them to the point where they, think, they know they're a sinner. And they know they're going to have to answer to God. Rome, okay, next to that verse you would write Romans 6.23. Romans 6.23. 6.23. Notice how we're going through... All in the book of Romans. We're staying close to the book of Romans. We're not leaving. Six, Romans 6.23. So turn them here. Get them to read this. For the wages of sin is death. So what you're doing is you're earning a wage. So every time you sin, you're, you're, you're working and you're earning a wage. And that wage, what you're doing is your, your paycheck is death. That's what the Bible just told us. But the gift... Here we go. Now we're getting into what we want them to know. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Oh, that's a gift. You got a gift. God wants to give you a gift. Look, gift of God. And what is that gift God wants to give them? Eternal life. How long is eternal? Yeah, forever. But how do you get that? Through who? Jesus Christ. Not anybody else. That's why he's the only way. Through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. You don't earn it. Well, i got to go to church. I'm going to have to keep going to church. I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to start tithing my money. I'm gonna have to... No, it's a gift. This eternal life is a gift. Make them understand that. Say, hey, if I came by your house and I dropped off a brand new car and say, hey, this is a gift for you. You would be so joyful and happy. And boy, you'd probably, you'd probably even... Say nice things about me after I left the house, wouldn't you? You know, and you, I'd drive off and say, man, Keegan, he's a pretty good old boy. He gave me a brand new car. And then a month later, you got in a payment book. Hey, it wouldn't feel like a gift anymore, would it? A gift's a gift. And you got to make them understand this is a free gift. If it's not free, it's not a gift. The, the word gift implies it's given to you. Now, we know there's, I can show you verse after verse after verse after verse where we know it's a free gift. It's right here in Romans chapter 5. It's a free gift. It's a gift of eternal life. It's never going to be, I, I, we know all of that. But we're not, we're not going to hammer them down with doctrine, right? We're, not, we're just trying to give them the simple truths. Now turn to Romans 5, 8, 9. So let's go back a couple of pages. 
Back to Romans chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. So you would want to write down Romans 5, verses 8 and 9. 8-9, Romans 5, 8-9, next to Romans 6-23. So we're going to Romans 5, 8 and 9. I hope that's not confuse, confusing you guys. Now let's get down to the, the meat of the matter. But God commendeth his love towards us. You stop there. You know God loves you? God loves you. You know, sometimes people have never heard anybody say they love them. I know we live, most of us grew up with good parents. Some of us didn't. But the, tr the truth is, is the world's not full of a lot of people just walk around saying, hey, I love you, man. I love you. I just love you. God loves you. But God commended his love towards us. How did he, how did he show me he loved me? In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. <laughs> You know how much God loves you? While you were a sinner, he died for you. When did he die for me? On the cross. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. By his blood. That's the blood of Jesus Christ. Justified. Now, if you wanted to go into what that means, justified is a legal term that means it's just if I'd never sinned. It's a legal term meaning that in God's eyes, you are not only not a sinner anymore, you never were a sinner. And what's happened is in God's eyes, He's took all of, your, all of Jesus Christ's righteousness and put it on you. So all of Jesus Christ's sinlessness has now been put on Keegan Hall and all Keegan Hall's sins were put on Jesus Christ at the cross. That's called justified. By that blood, that sinless God's blood on the cross is how we're justified. We shall be saved from wrath. What wrath? What wrath? You can ask him. What wrath? We shall be saved from wrath. I've never had a sinner not know that answer. You know what the answer to that is, don't you? It's hell. It's hell. He's saving you from hell. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Through Him, that Him, of course, is Jesus Christ. You get them to this point, you can ask them right now, do you want to be saved? Do you want this eternal life? Do you want this free gift? I can show you right now how you can have this free gift. I'll show you exactly what I did to get it. Turn to Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13. So next to, next to these verses, write Romans 10, verse 9. It's going to be 9 through, 9 through uh, 13, but we're going to read these verses. Romans chapter 10, 9 through 13. That's the Romans road. That's the Romans road. Romans chapter 10, verses 9. Here's how you're saved. Here's how you can be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Are you willing to just bow your head right now, and ask Jesus Christ to save you in a simple prayer. That's all you have to ask Him. Confessing. Believe in that heart that God raised Him from the dead. See, when you're bowing your head, you're not bowing your head to a man that died 2,000 years ago. And is still in a grave, amen? See, if I bowed my head and tried to pray to Muhammad, I'd be praying to bones that are in a grave somewhere over there in the Middle East. 
If I bow my head and try to pray to Buddha, I'm praying to bones that are buried somewhere down there in East China. When I bow my head and pray to Jesus Christ, I'm praying to a resurrected Savior, a living Savior. Other, other words, what I'm trying to say and what you're trying to con con get, confer over to them is He's alive. And when you're praying, He can hear what you're saying. He's hearing what we're talking about. Jesus Christ is right here with us, present with us. The Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead. Thou shalt be saved. Why do I need to pray? Verse 10, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Why do I need to pray? Here's why you need to pray. That verse tells you right there. Your heart believes it. And your mouth shows where your heart's at. By the mouth is your, con the confession shows where your heart's at. In other words, if I really love somebody, like I love my wife, it doesn't take long for me to say, I love you. And I give her a hug. Or I give her a kiss. Or I get a couple of dollars from her because I'm broke. Whatever it is I'm trying to do. The point is, is that your mouth shows where your heart's at. Amen? That's why it's so important to pray. If you really believe Jesus Christ can save you, you really want Him to save you, and they'll have to say, yeah, yeah, well, then you need to ask Him to save you. When I got married, I, was, I had to stand in front of a bunch of people, and I had to have a pastor sit right there, and I had to look my wife in the eyes, and they asked me, do you, Kegan Hall, take her as your wife? And I had to say, I do. That's the same principle. You've got to confess it. You've got to say, I do, I do. Now, you don't have to be in a church, Amen. You don't have to be in a church to pray that. You can be anywhere in the world. You just got to be able to confess it. That's why the mouth shows where the heart's at. That's why you want to get them to pray it. If you don't get them to pray it, they might still be saved. I'm not telling you they're not saved. I'm just telling you that if you'll get them to pray it, it'll be more, it'll be more real to them and they'll realize it. You want them to pray it. You want them to pray it. For at the heart, verse 10, For at the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. You're not ashamed of him, are you? He just saved you. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. It don't matter if you're black or white or Spanish or what culture you're from or what country you're from. Amen? It doesn't matter, verse 12, but verse 13 tells us, For whosoever... Whosoever, whosoever, it don't matter what you've done or where you've been, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and that name is Jesus Christ, shall, not might, shall be saved. That's how you lead somebody to Jesus Christ, right there. Just right there. Now, if you don't have much time, and you say, man, they'll say, yeah, I'll let you, just show me a verse. I only got five minutes, or a couple of minutes. Show me a verse. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. If you only have one minute, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. This is the one verse, and we'll close out here. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. This is a one verse salvation. One verse salvation. One verse salvation. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. If you only have one verse, you can show them. I only have time, one verse. So well, let, me show, let me read this to you. Read this. For Christ... Also hath once suffered for sins. So Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross, he was suffering for sins. The just for the unjust. Who's the just there? 
Jesus Christ, amen? But ask them. Who, who's, for Christ also, also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Who do you think the just is? I've never had them not answer that. that Jesus. For the, un, the just for the unjust. Who do you think the unjust is? Everybody else. Me. That he might bring us to God. So he died on the cross to bring you to God. Being put to death in the flesh, that so he was put to death, but quickened by the Spirit, he was resurrected. If you believe Jesus Christ was crucified for your sins, buried and rose on the third day, you're getting close. Now all you need to do is turn to God and ask Jesus Christ to save you. Guys, there's a, this Bible, you see how thick this Bible is. There's a million ways to lead somebody to Jesus Christ out of the Word of God. I've got my personal favorites. Uh, John, 3, John chapter 3, verse 18. I, I quote that all the time. John chapter 3, verse 18. I love to use that one because it says a lot. But John chapter 3, verse 18. I've got a friend right now that questioning if God actually exists. And this is what I told him. I said, go home, read the Gospel of John chapter 3. Ask God to show you the truth. Ask God, say, God, if you're really there, show me that you're really there. Show me the truth and read John chapter 3. I told him to read all that. Because this is what I want him to read, verse 18. He that believeth on him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. Do you believe? Well, I'm not condemned. I believe. But he that believeth not, you don't believe, is condemned already. Why? Why is he condemned already? Because he hath not believed in the name of of the only begotten Son of God. That's Jesus Christ. Of course, y'all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. There's a good one to use. You can use that one on anybody. Amen? Verse 36, same chapter in closing. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And you just ask him, have you believed on Jesus Christ? I have. I have everlasting life. And he that believeth not, if you don't, the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. What wrath is that? Hell. Judgment. There's, uh, like I said, there's all, you could go on the internet and you can find all kinds of outlines and verses to use. If you're serious about it, you'll find one. You, maybe you have your favorite. Use it. You got a verse you really love, the Lord showed you, use that. There's a little ditty I like to use sometimes. Life is short, death is sure, sin the cause, Christ the cure. Uh, I first saw that down in Pensacola. I'm not, I'm not, I don't think Dr. Rubman came up with it, but it, I saw it down there. Life is short, James 4.14. Life is short, we know that. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. That's James chapter 4, verse 14. Life is short, death is sure. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this to judgment. Hebrews 9.27. Sin the cause. We read Romans 5.12. Wherefore is one man sinner entered into the world. And then Christ secure, that's Romans 10.13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall, not might, not might, shall be saved. Guys, I encourage y'all, if y'all get a chance this, this week, hand out a track, tell somebody about Jesus Christ, invite them to church. Man, do what you can, because I really believe with all my heart, man, the time is short. And man, the more we can get up into heaven, the less the devil has. And I, I want the devil to not get what he deserves when it comes to that. I want the devil to lose out on them. I want, I want to see people saved. And I've got, I know for a fact I've got people around me that are not saved. And it may, encourages me to try to do more and more 
And we're going to talk about that. We're going to get into that. How do, we, how, do we, how do we approach it? How do we approach somebody? We're going to get into that in the coming weeks. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you so much, Father, for your words, Lord, that we can read them and we can put the authority on your book, Lord God. We thank you for them, Lord. And Father, I pray, Lord God, you give us the courage, Lord, this week to maybe hand out a gospel tract. Tell somebody about Jesus Christ, Lord God. I, Father, I do pray. You make divine appointments, Lord God. You put people in our path, Lord God, that need to hear about you, that need to hear about Jesus Christ, Lord, and give us the courage to do the right thing, Lord, through the prompting of your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray you remind us. Lord, we're so forgetful, Lord, and we're, we get out working in the world, Lord God. A lot of us have jobs, and we just we get, we get uh, lazy-minded about it, Lord. But I pray, Father, we'd always be ever ready, Lord God, to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. Help us just to tell our personal testimony, Lord, and just to brag on you. Lord, I pray for traveling mercies for everybody here tonight, Lord God. Get them home safely. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen.